This is Daniel Self, lead pastor of the Orchard Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Afterwards, if you would like and subscribe, or if you want more information on The Orchard or to support this ministry, find us at theorchardlife.com. Now know that we are praying for you today, that God would speak to you, and you would have a breakthrough. My name is Daniel Self, lead pastor here, and I want to talk to you a little bit about where we've been and where we're going. And if you've never, if you haven't been with us where we've been, um, and you don't know if you're going to go with us where we're going, God still has something for you today, and my prayer for you is as every Sunday that you leave this place different in some way than when you came in. And so let's look. As, as your pastor, this has been a fruitful year, perhaps the most challenging year here, and God is growing our church in so many ways. I've been encouraged by key leaders and by our elders to discuss some of the things up here at the front of this, to be specific and clear of how you, the orchard, have made an impact around the globe and here locally. And I want you to know as I get into this, I'm not bragging so much as I am so grateful. I am absolutely so grateful for you, for your passions and your talents and where you invest them, and grateful for you and your generous giving that's going to allow us to do some of the things I'm going to talk about. Because let's look at 2023 a little bit and see where God's taken us. First of all, we, as I'm talking to Pastor Stacy in our, our children's ministry, our, our kids' classes have been full of children learning God's truth. And one thing we are dedicated to here at the Orchard is we are not here to babysit your children. We're not here to watch kids so you can be down here doing this. We want to invest in your kids the fundamental truths of God's word in a way that they memorize them into adulthood. I remember songs from my childhood. I remember flannel graphs and stories. I remember those things, and perhaps you do as well, and our kids are up there learning these values. We want our kids to know the character of Jesus and what it means to live that way in this world. Our student ministry, our middle school and high school students, we are um, having some changes in leadership that are very exciting that we're going to announce in the coming weeks. You're going you're to love. And our, our middle school and high school students today, uh, one thing we want to do is help teach them what it means to have godly character in a culture that really is completely complex and, and shifting. I don't know if you know this, maybe you don't. Today's high school and middle school experience is different than when you were there. Yeah, it's full color for some of you. You don't remember that even, but I mean, you know, it's just different. And, and, and the culture and the way, what they're facing, the complexity of it, we have youth leaders who love these kids and want to show them what it means to live by God's truth in a world where truth is whatever we feel it is. Then we have our young adult ministry. And by young adult ministry, they've told me it means young at heart. Uh, even I can go. Even you can maybe go, right? It's for those who are young at heart and those young adults in the area. And this is called Rooted. And it's reaching people from Rifle to Aspen on Thursday nights right out there in the gathering center where, where Katie and Chad lead with a team for young adults who are in this area who have no family. They've come here to ski or work or the recreation. They have no family and they're finding a tribe. They're finding a community. They're finding a place to be known and they're finding a place to worship. And then we have our services here on Sunday morning that is reaching many as we grow weekly. You've made the adjustment, as I can tell, to the 9 a.m. and the 10.30 a.m. time slots, and it's provided new room, and some of you have told me it's given you room to invite your friends and coworkers. And even at Christmas, we had over 1,500 people who came and attended, and perhaps you are one of those or some of those families who've, who've checked it back in to see what it means to be a part of the orchard. 
And so we haven't just had uh, an increase here in the house. We've had an increase online. And the online uh, scope goes well beyond our area. I've been told that our YouTube views and engagements, live streaming, and things called analytics are far higher than we expect. Our podcasts and audio ministries are, are making an impact um, throughout the week and even being played on the radio across places like Vanuatu and other places. And the, speaking of Vanuatu, we are here at Orchard, Colorado, but we have other Orchard churches, sister churches that we support. And one of those, uh, they have an Orchard Love God, Love People banner, and it says Orchard Vanuatu. It's a handmade sign that they color in and they made. Vanuatu is in the South Pacific Islands. I hope someday you get to meet through video or something Pastor James Nicholson who's down there. He has grown the local orchard churches from one to four and now 12 separate churches there in those jungle villages in the South Pacific. And myself and some of our elders are going to visit those churches in the spring to encourage them, build into them, meet these leaders, meet our churches, and, and hopefully bring back some amazing reports. Um, the orchard supports five. The orchard supports five missionary teams as we have for a long time now, doing amazing work from France to Asia and even Jordan. Our missions team is known as Outstretched Arms, and they fund disaster relief and they respond uh, monthly with funds discretionary to them um, on where they can give according to the needs. Orphanages in Mexico, earthquakes in Turkey, teaching life skills to refugee women in Nepal, pastoral equipping in Africa, outreach in Rwanda, a Ukrainian humanitarian relief and Bolivian education are just some of the things they've done. And so if I add in what Outstretched Arms, our mission team has done this past year in 2023, combined with our support of Orchard Vanuatu, we, you the Orchard, we have had an impact uh, in some amazing ways. And we have given over $41,000 of tangible food and shelter, education, water, and the gospel out to these places around the globe, not to mention Operation Christmas Child, which sends God's word and good news to the ends of the earth. And so Orchard, truly, we are a church who, who meets here, but yet we are working to, to love people in action in places that many of us will never set foot, but we will meet people someday from those other churches and other places who have been impacted by you. And that, that just, that, that is, for me, that causes a lot of humility and gratitude. Locally, we support a lot of nonprofits and organizations and initiatives quietly helping those in our communities that are the most vulnerable, uh, providing resources for single parents and pregnant mothers through Pregnancy Resource Center, impoverished children, food-vulnerable seniors, and local homeless. We've supplied help to uh, local youth organizations like Youth for Christ who come alongside students and show them God's love in the community and what it means to live and be accepted in God's family in this school culture. As a church, we also, you might remember this, we provided supplies to those in our area who don't have the means to get simple school supplies, teachers, and students, and that was because of your generosity. We've been working with local officials. As you may know, we have a growing influx of Venezuelan migrants in our area, and um, all, we have been working with local officials on what it means as a church and a people to have an impact here. Is it political? Yes, for some it is, but for it's also personal as you get to know people, and, you, and we provided food and resources and and basic life things. So we, we, want, we want to love people where they are, how they are, with what they need. Personally, I've been in contact with uh, the mayor and, and Rob Stein, who's the local leader, to see what we can do. And in the last few weeks, we've had a, an orchard person uh, be elevated to one of the leaders in our community in this place. She has all the passion and the equipping to do this. And I'm going to introduce her in the coming weeks so that you can have a place to go and a person to talk to and perhaps you and your family as we see where we can continue. We've provided food and some things in the past, but what does it look like moving forward? You can join us to um, feed them and serve them breakfast and other things here in the community. 
Um, the Orchard leadership and I, we believe that the Orchard Church should be the redemptive center of this region in many ways. And that means um, mental health assistance and marriage care, child and parenting resources and classes and seminars, homeschool groups. And, and those things are led by many people like you who are gifted and passionate and talented, who God has put in you leadership and servant abilities. And I'm so grateful that you have stepped forward or stepped up. And, and if you have gifts and talents, which you do, uh, and you see a place of need or a place you want to get involved, we have, there are countless places for you and your gifts and the way God has knit you together with your passions to have a great impact here in your church family and our community. And overall, your generous giving here at the Orchard has allowed us to strategically fund over $75,000 in needs, necessities, and provisions for local people and local needs. And this is a financial giving from people like you and your resources. This, 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 this has helped people you work with. This has helped children that your kids go to school with. But it's also helped a lot of people you might never see or come across. Orchard, I want to say as your pastor, I'm so grateful I'm so humbled and so grateful. Well done to you. Well done as we have stepped forward to look at what it means to love people in action and not just in this place. You hear me say it over and over. If we're just here on Sundays to do good church, I don't want to do it. I'm not interested in just doing good church on Sundays. I want to be the church God has asked us to be outside of these walls, to love God and love people at your places of work, at your school, at your job, at your home, and we're doing it, and many of you are engaged in the process and I was here on Wednesday, on Wednesday starting at noon until about 12.30, we have an open time of prayer and worship open to anyone who wants to come to this place and just pray that God would move in this church. I call it the engine room of, of the orchard. It's like where we shovel in the coal, you know, to, to where, that's where we're praying for God to move in mighty ways. And this last Wednesday, right here at this place, I was standing here as Micah put on this song called Jaira about God who provides, and I was overcome with gratitude. I was struck by how grateful I am for what he's done in my life, in my family's life, but then I was grateful for you, what God is doing in your life, and many of your stories that I know, many I don't, but what God is also doing through us as a church, and I started to cry, and I would love to tell you that it was like one of those cries, like, you know, I was undone. I was weeping. I called my wife later. I said, I, 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 uh, I cried today in a way I haven't cried in years. She's like, at work? What happened? You know, it's not something you hear every day. And I was like, babe, it was, just, it was tears of gratitude. Just tears of overwhelming gratitude for what God has done in this church, what he's doing in us, and what he's doing through us. I'm just so happy. I'm so grateful. I'm so humbled to, to be a part of what God is doing here at the Orchard. I couldn't, couldn't be more grateful. And um, today's sermon is a combination. I have probably four hours of things I wanted to say today looking back and looking forward. Don't worry. I'm not going to preach four hours. You got to love when a preacher says that. You're like, okay. Let's see what he's got. I, I won't do it, but there's so much I want to say. I'm going to try to stay on track. I just want to thank those of you who generously give, tithe, and give your first fruits to this place and who serve and step up with your gifts and talents because God is moving within us. He's moving through us, and we're seeing changes in our, in our city, in our works, in our, in our work, uh, places we, we recreate, all kinds of things. Um, 2023 was one of our strongest years ever as a church, and it's so fun for me to look back and just see all the things that God has continued to do in our midst and through us. So as we pause and thank God for what he has done, I want to also look forward to what he ha he's going to do. Because we are growing. And, and numbers in this place, in the first service, and this service, we, we are growing. I want to be very clear about something. Absolutely crystal clear as your pastor. 
The mark of success for the orchard is not and will never be numbers in this place, ever. And I want to declare for 2024 that the litmus test for our success will not be numbers in this place, but it will be fresh stories of transformation. As I have prayed, as I have sought God to see what does it look like for the orchard in 2024 to, to, to be a healthy, thriving church, it comes down to fresh stories of life transformation, of marriages, of fathers returning to their children, of moms and dads and kids and, and, and healings and acts of God only he can do and, and salvations. There will be people this coming year who will be saved. There will be people who you see in this baptismal who sign their names on that and we symbolically put them under the water to rise into a new life that you never thought would be in there. The, the mark of health in this church will not be the number of people. It will be the fresh stories and testimonies that we have this year. And so here's our deal together, you and me. I want to hear your fresh stories. A lot of us have stories of God's move, but let's be honest, they're 10 years old. And they're good stories. But Orchard, for many of you, it's time for a new story. It's time for a new testimony. I love talking. I had lunch with somebody last week, and we sat there, and he had tears in his eyes telling me something new God was doing in his life. I had tears in my eyes. The mark of God is transformation, not good church, not numbers. Let's pursue God in such a way that we are seeing fresh testimony. So send them to me, email them to me, tell them your community groups. Let's, let's have this year be the, the year of fresh story and new testimony. Amen? Amen. Okay, let me um, go through five pages I skipped and let's get to where I need to go. Excuse me as I find my place. That's where we've been. That's where I hope we go. But I want to stop and now talk personally. Just you and me, right? No one else. During a family dinner, we talked about, with my family, I was talking to them about, about what this year holds. What does 2024 hold? And I told them that 2024, kids, there are surprises and blessings ahead that you can't even imagine. God's gonna, things are gonna just amaze us. But there's gonna be some things in 2024 that are gonna be very hard and very difficult. And I wanna say the same thing to you. There is going to, this year for you, hold some mountain peak moments of thrill and faith and experiences. This year also will hold for you some dark valleys and some hardships. Perhaps even now you're in one. We don't get to choose what the year brings, but we get, do get to choose how we respond within it. And we get to decide now, perhaps in some way, what do we want to be at the end of this year? A year from now, as you might still sit here, a year from now, as we sit here as a church 365 days, and I say, how have you changed in the past year, in 2024? How would you, how, what would you say? How is it you want to be different in the coming year? And here's a question. How do you want to be different by the end of 2024? Can you imagine, and here's my prayer for you, can you imagine, because for some of you, many of us, okay, all of us, there are places where we have been praying and hoping that God would move and bring freedom and breakthrough for a long time. Could you imagine if in this next 365 days, God brings the breakthrough and the freedom that you've hoped, brings that desire of your heart, brings you through something difficult, is with you through the dark valley. My prayer is that God would do so many things and that sitting in church here a year from now, we can look back and be grateful once again. And so I want to stop and talk about New Year's resolutions. I mean, you're seven days in, right? Some of you already have broken them right? 
Some of you who aren't here and are going to watch and listen to podcasts online, your resolution was to be here at church and you've already broken it. Talking to you. Podcast people. Um, do you know there are people who study us as Americans and they study how we act and they've been studying resolutions that we make and they've found some trends, interesting trends in our annual resolutions. The most common resolutions resolve around a few key items and it's not even close after those. Of the top five resolutions, four of them overwhelmingly have to do with improving our health. Absolutely. Four of the five. And the fifth is to improve financially. So we have physical and financial improvement, usually by far and away the top five, and then somewhere below that is spending time with loved ones or family or kids or spouse, usually centered around some specific activities that that individual thinks is important. So health, money, and family. And here's the question I want to ask you. What if, what if a year from now, all your resolutions absolutely 100% all came true? Let's just say it happened. Let's say every resolution that you had all came true. The best possible outcome to your year is often a healthier body. That you would be stronger, lighter, tougher, and that you would have a better use of your money. So you can spend it in 2025. You know what I'm saying? And finally, maybe more time with, with loved ones around some activities that we think are important. If our lists worked out perfectly, we would be healthier, richer, and, and we would have more time spent doing the things we love with the people we love. But like I said, it's January 7th. And some of us, our list has already crumbled. And the odds are by March 1st, over 33% of all resolutions will be done. And by April 1st, the majority, the vast majority of all resolutions will be left in the dust. And so before I want to go any further, I want to propose something for this coming year. Just us, right? No pressure to resolve anything and no spiritual strong-arming to give more things to the church. None of that. Instead, I want to propose that if all your resolutions all worked out and you accomplished every goal, ticked every habit, did every routine, every new thing, you still might, we still might find that our lives didn't change as much as we hoped. If all our resol resolutions worked out, we might find in a year from now we are not the people we kind of hoped we would, and they would do the things we hoped they would. And here's one of the biggest reasons. Because the places that God wants to see the greatest change in your life likely are not on your list of resolutions. The place that he wants to see the greatest growth and transformation likely aren't on your list. Most often it's those core shifts that God wants to do in, his, in the areas that, that, he, that he would specify. Mine is to get a better vocabulary this coming year. Um, well beyond our health and our finances and our time management. Now, I want to have a caveat. Those things are very important. I have my own plan for finances and for health and time management. But I'm going to say something. Stronger muscles won't help your weak character. Greater savings don't equate to greater values. More family activity doesn't mean deeper family faith. And I just want to dive in with a few verses just to kind of peek some of these things and show us that God has more than just a list of resolutions he wants to build into us this year. Proverbs 4, 23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. 
It seems if God wants to do something new and lasting and worthy in your life, it won't be in your list of resolutions. It might be in the core of your heart, for that will dictate so much of our behavior. 1 Timothy 4.8, what about working out and health? This says, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good. It is good. But training for godliness is much better. It promises benefits in this life and the life to come. And what about all those savings? What about all those things we want to change in the way we engage with our um, achievements and resources? Jesus says this in Luke 12, 15. Life is not measured by how much you own. In fact, did you know the things that you own you can't take with you? Which is why he said in Matthew 6, 19, don't store up, for tre- don't store up treasures on earth where moth eat them and the rust destroys and thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves can't steal. Wherever your treasure is, orchard, there the desires of your heart will also be. And what does it say earlier? What does it say about your heart? The desires of your heart, it says guard your heart above all else. It determines the course of your life. Those seem pretty significant when it comes to ways we should hope to be different. Now, as I read those, please don't hear me say that resolutions to be healthier, save more and wiser are not important. But I propose the idea that we may end this next year with something far more valuable than what's on our lists. And so here's a question to write. Here's some questions to write down, perhaps ask yourself later. God, where in my character do you want me to grow? God, what in my character do you want me to grow beyond this year? What areas of my life do you want to transform? What purpose do you want me to pursue this year? And what decisions do you want me to make to begin this? Those seem valuable decisions when we're looking at a new year and what God would have for us. You see, I believe as an annual goal, transformation is a far greater goal than resolution. Resolution is a list of things to do, and often they accomplish external results. Transformation is growth in our very being that will have external, it will change the way we behave externally. Resolutions focus on goals, but transformation focuses on growth. Resolutions are often initiated by external pressures, by our culture, society, how we think we should be, how we're told to be, but transformation happens through internal purpose. Transformation, instead of, I re, instead of resolving to look a certain way, I desire to live a certain way. Instead of resolving to achieve a certain thing, I instead want to activate a specific core value. Here's some verses on transformation. And the first verse for transformation is this, and I want you to hear me if you're a guest of ours. Or if you have not yet resolved this whole Jesus and God thing, this is a great place for you to engage throughout this year and on this journey and hear more about who Jesus is. But here's what I want to tell you. First and foremost, the greatest transformation you can experience in 2024 is by believing in Jesus as your Savior. In fact, that's the greatest decision you can ever make in your life. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Anyone who belongs to Christ Jesus has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has become. That right there is transformation. And so for some of you here today, that right there is the entryway to what transformation looks, for, looks like for you in this coming year. To come to Jesus and say, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died and rose again. And after this service, during our song, if you want to pray that and discuss that, I'm going to have some of our friends and leaders back here in the corner who would love to help you make the most important transformative decision 
you'll ever decide. Now, beyond that, what does God's word say about transforming? Beyond just resolution and modification? Romans 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Stop resolving to be like everyone else in this world. And some of the things on our resolutions list is to be like someone or be acceptable or be perceived by something in this culture. Don't copy the behavior of this world or what they think is important for you or your family or your kids or your marriage. Instead, let God transform you and then your thinking begins to change. And then how you perceive him and yourself and the world and people changes your perspective. And then you will learn what God's will is for you, what his plan is for you, not only forever, but his plan for you today and tomorrow and how good it is and how pleasing it is. Ephesians 4 says this, check this out. Throw off your old sinful nature, like, like an old rag. Throw it off. Throw off your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And instead, let the Spirit of God renew your thinking and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, righteous is a surfer word. It's also a Bible word, righteous. But what does it mean for us today? Righteous and, and holiness are adjectives that describe godly character and in godly integrity. What if those words marked your life this coming year? What if godly character and righteousness and holiness were things we, we, that marked our life, our private life, that area of our life that no one knows about? What if it marked our relationships and how we treat people? Also, Colossians 3.10 builds on this. He says, put on, a, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to, to know your creator and become like him. And this is just beautiful. Listen to this. It says, as you get to know God, become more like him. So pursue knowing God better in your own private life, in your own Bible study, with friends, with your community group. Pursue knowing God because you become more like him. Guess what that is? That's transformation. What if you are more like God in your marriage? What if you were more like God there? You would we would respond to our spouse with greater love and gentleness and grace. What if we were more like God in our parenting? Can you imagine engaging with your children with a greater well of patience, speaking to them in gentle words, and having God's wisdom for how to raise them? Did you know this? And one thing I mean I've been praying about is, listen, we have plans for our children, but God knows them in a way we don't. And so we've been praying and seeking individually, God, what's your, what, what, how should we parent Elijah this year? How should we parent Selah this year? Give us your wisdom on how to raise our kids because it's, it's greater than anything we can come up with. What if we were more like God in our parenting? What if we were more like God at work? Our coworkers, our bosses, our customers would have more grace. In each of these arenas of life, becoming someone who has clear love for other people, but also becoming more like God means having clear boundaries of love. I want to remind you that yes, love loves all people, but love has clear boundaries and love has truth. What if this year we, we didn't just react to stress, we responded to stress with grace and peace and strength? What if we began to understand that our anger is hurting our loved ones and the way the harsh words and the way we speak to them. And as we learn more of God and are transformed in those things, we can put some of those aside. This year, I'm purposing to, love, to learn more of God because I want to be more like God, not only for myself, 
but for my wife and for my family and my loved ones to put off my old self of sin and to grow this character of Jesus. And as a church, we're going to be looking into all these things. As a church, we're going to look at this in the coming year. You know, we're in the middle of this never-ending Exodus series, and uh, we're in the Ten Commandments when we jump back into it. And the Ten Commandments are about do's and do nots and sin and all these things. We're going to look at all this stuff and continue to find what God would have to say for how we are supposed to live in light of his truth. So here at the Orchard, what do we say? Love God, love people, right? It's on our t-shirts. It's on everything we do. We believe it because Jesus believed it and he preached it. But I want to remind you, as we go into the next, this coming year and we learn more about God's truth and love, that love makes boundaries. Love convicts people to change. I want to say something. God meets you wherever you are. And he loves you however you are. But he loves you so much. He does not want to let you stay how you are. He wants us to grow in character. He wants us to grow in holiness. He wants us to grow in these areas. He calls us to transformation. I want us to know, I want us to know as a church that in God's eyes, character matters. It's not just about good intentions, which I hear so much, and those are great, but character matters to God, and holiness still counts. This is something for us to investigate as we look at Exodus, as we move forward as a church and be the church that loves to have fun and loves all people, but draws some lines of truth and says, God, we want to be different. We want to adjust to your truth in our lives. And in this sermon, I want to discuss one thing that, that could, I believe can help transform this coming year for you. I, I, I ended this a thousand different ways and I'm settling on this one. If you know me as a pastor, you know me as a friend, then you have any trust in me. If you don't know me at all and I'm just a talking head, listen, if you get one thing, add this to your list. May this be the one resolution, the one revolution, the decision, the habit, the, the value, routine, direction, the plotting, whatever it would be that you call it for your coming year to add and install into it. For transformation this year, I want to invite you to personally and intentionally pursue authentic community with God's people. And some of you could not be more disappointed. Like, where's the sacred cool factor in that? Like, what? <laughs> Listen, I know what you're thinking. But, but it, I'm talking about intentional, authentic community with other, other people pursuing God. Imperfect people, but godly people. To do this, to do this here's what I know you're going to need. Because some of you have already stopped listening. But here's what you need if you're going to actually do this. For 2024, for today, you are going to need something called courage. You're going to need courage. Why is courage necessary to have authentic community and transformation? I just remember, of all the resolutions that are on someone's list, most all the ones they apply to themselves have to do with their health. And I would guess that many of us add audacious numbers onto them. Miles, pounds, this, that, and the other. Audacious things. But what if the best thing in your life, for your character, for your marriage, for your parenting, for everything, wasn't more miles, more or less pounds, but instead, true, authentic community? A place where you're known, and you can discuss where you're weak, and you need to grow. A place where your spouse can be known and discuss their hopes and their hurts. A place where your kids are intentionally around other children of families who are pursuing God. 
What if over the next 365 days, you could begin something that would legitimately have an impact on your character and your family, far more than any amount of miles or pounds? This year, honest conversation, honest conversation with somebody about your character struggles would do far more than any amount of money you may save. In fact, I believe that many of those who want to save money as a resolution should take that savings and immediately spend it on a counselor. That would help more than saving the money. Do you have a person? Let me ask you this. Do you have a person you're honest with about the depths of your struggle? Not, not did you. Not kind of. Like, do you? And if you do, are you being honest? Are you courageously being honest? Are you opening up those places of your private and pet sins and vices, or are you fighting that alone? You want true transformation in 2024? Tap into that place and get, bring some light there. Do you have somebody who knows these places? A community, whether it's a group or just a few, it has the power to, to bring light and change more than we ever give credence to, but here's the truth. It takes more courage to pursue authentic community than it does to resolve to lose any amount of weight. It takes more courage to open up about our private sin than it does to privately eat all the vegetables in the world. It takes more conviction to join a community of believers than to achieve our health goals. It, it takes more courage to sign up you and your spouse for a marriage retreat weekend than to go do leg day. It takes more courage and conviction to sit across from Maybe uh, uh, sit across from a friend and open up about new truths that are going on inside. And this time next year, your life, your growth, and your transformation, more than your resolution list will ever hold, might be in those places of being open and being honest. Why does it take courage? Because you and I both know you don't want to do that. <laughs> right? Can you imagine sitting down with somebody going, and they're like, hey, what do you want to eat about? You want to have some coffee? I need, to tell you about, I need to tell you about my worst sin. Yeah, sign me up for that conversation. I'll tell you this. I've experienced more freedom in the past year because of that conversation than anything else I've done. God met me in those places. God asked me to move into those places, and it was terrifying. And on the other side of terror was freedom. Orchard, I'm not asking you to do anything I have not done on my own. I have my resolution list. I'm working on my stuff. But there's some places of deep transformation that God is inviting us as a church and people, sons and daughters of the king, to step into. Let me read you some verses about this, about the, uh, the power of these things. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. That's us, Orchard, to do an, um, acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. You and I, us, especially now that the days of his return are drawing near. Galatians 6, 2, share one another's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. The law of Christ is to love each other the way he loved you. Share each other's burdens. Do you have somebody you're telling your burdens to? Not complaining, not gossiping, telling them the real authentic truth of what you're in. James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other. Again, sign me up. That's so fun. But man, I'm telling you, it's so sacred. It's so freeing. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other that you may be healed, set free. 
The earnest prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective and produces wonderful results. In Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. The Bible is very clear. Jesus' life is very clear in how he lived it, to get in these places and be honest and be open. And, and I know some of you, you're like, okay, okay, sign up. And I just talked to someone who's brand new to our church. She goes, well, I'm, I'm new here. I've been coming for a few weeks, and I went out, and I immediately signed up for a group. Yes, that took courage. That takes more courage than anything. And, and I know some of you were like, okay, pr- okay, preacher, just give me some resolutions. I have some resolutions for you. You ready? Because people have been asking me, like, what's your resolutions? What's your resolutions? Okay, you ready? I want you to write these down and immediately put them on your list. Resolve to open up your private life to someone else. Resolve to join a community group. Resolve to get to that first meeting with a counselor. Resolve to go to some sort of retreat, conference, or seminar this year with your spouse to work on your marriage intentionally. You guys want a resolution? Here you go. Resolve that every time you think of that person you just can't stand that this year you will pray that God blesses them. Resolve that this year. Resolve that every day you'll thank God and be grateful for three new things. You want some resolutions? Just start with that small list, okay? Orchard, here's what we want. Again, we don't want to do good church. And we want, we want real talk and real life. And on the other side of these kind of gatherings, we want to be new people. And my prayer for you has been all week, And that you would be in a place to hear God's spirit speak to you and whisper, my son, my daughter, this year, pursue me. Be more like me and step in and open up to other brothers and sisters about what you're going through. Orchard, it's going to take courage for us to see the transformation in our lives that we want. Let me pray for you. Father God, I pray that you would give us holy gumption and boldness and courage to step out and step in faith into some of these areas. Lord, on the other side of these decisions is often a new way of living in freedom. And I pray, Lord, that you would meet us here. I pray you would give us, give us that courage to step out. And Father, may 2024 be the year where we finally put some things behind us that you've been wanting us to grow past. And now, would you hear our worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go, as we go into this song and you take the elements of communion, I remind you to take it as you take it on your own, as you see fit here at the orchard. That's how we often do it. But before you do, before you take the bread and break that, take a moment with God. Ask him the things that you need to confess to him. Ask his forgiveness. And then pray a prayer, thanking him for his broken body, his shed blood on the cross.